We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. How long do our typical worship songs remain popular? And then should speakers say no to speaking engagement based on who else is in the lineup? What is cheap grace? And later, it's Friday, so you know what that means. We have a top five list. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Friday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, we went from winter to summer this week. It's crazy. Yes. Hopefully people have a great weekend planned ahead of them. Are you graduating from somewhere this weekend? Like it happens every weekend now, Um, correct? uh, Maybe. We'll see what happens. I did graduate last weekend, so we'll we'll see what happens. We will know that one or both of us have made it when we start getting in the circuit of honorary degrees. Oh, I know. So my actually my uh, the person who gave the, you know, commencement speech at my graduation last weekend. He had an honorary doctor from Wheaton, and I was like, ooh, how'd you, how'd you get me one of those? How do I get me one of those honorary degrees? I would uh, I would take one of those. Not yeah. Don't need to do the work. Get the degree. Exactly. Seems exactly. like my kind of schooling. So Right? Don't you think so? We shall see. So glad to have you with us. If you've missed anything this week, go back and get the podcast wherever it is. You get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Common Good Talk. Aubrey, you and I both being pastors, I would say, do you think this is an accurate statement? One of the things that people feel in our churches most passionate about is the singing. I knew you were going to say that, and I agree. Why? I want to dig in. Oh, you just tried, you tried to sing that. Passionate. Here's my question. Why? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Their their particularities about worship songs are really intense. And I think you can ultimately say, like, it's about preference, but you don't really mean that. You think, like, my way is right when it yeah. comes to worship. I do think people want good theology in their worship songs. They want a certain experience. And then depending on their church background, they want it to match their church background. So they might like a more traditional kind of hymns or they might want a little more like contemporary acoustic they might want more gospel like it just sort of depends on but yes people feel very strongly about that part of the service yeah it's always struck me as odd though because because a lot of times the strong feelings are not about theology questions sometimes they are (laughs) that's true it's just like did they like it or not it's exactly right hey it was too loud too fast too slow too this and you're like Okay, I didn't know I, I didn't know I signed up to be a DJ, uh, but also it's I, I think I don't want to shortchange it. I have had lots of talks with people questioning theology of songs or, you know, what's uh, this is the one I appreciate most from people is I don't want to sing songs that, that are about me. Right. Yes, uh, that are about we've talked us. about that before. You don't want to be singing about yourself. You yeah, want that to be feels singing about your Lord important. and Savior. Yes. So Bob Smetana, our friend, he wrote something fascinating last week that was picked up over at Church Leaders uh, that is titled this. Like that new church worship song? Chances are it will be gone soon. Hmm. So Bob goes on to say that 
Uh, you know, there are these most popular worship songs. And in the mid-90s, a popular song, and then he gave some examples where I'm like, oh, my gosh. <gasps> I remember this. I kind of want like to hear him. Refiner's Fire. Oh, yeah. Or In the Secret. They had a lifespan of about a dozen years. Oh, okay. Uh, and then that went up for four to five years before hitting a slow decline. But now, two decades later... That lifespan has dropped down to three to four years where a song uh, and CCLI does this, right? It's a licensing for churches. They will say that the songs that we're singing on Sunday mornings have a lifespan that is really, really short. And I actually think that's important for us to wrestle with. But let's just get beyond the or before we dive into the deeper, more important part here. Why is that? Because now that I think about it, I'm like. Yeah, we do kind of crank through songs. Some songs kind of come and go. Now he makes the point that some have staying power, but that these songs, we're not sticking with them for very long anymore. Why would that be? I think it's two reasons come to mind. One, I actually think there's a lot more worship songs being made. Like Mm. there are a lot more. Before you kind of only had, what, Hillsong. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you've got Elevation Church making music, and then you've got Seacoast Worship, and then you've got, I mean, you've got more and more options, I think, as there's more and more just exposure to different bands. So mm. I think that's actually part of it. There's more worship. At least there's more worship music that's consumable because of social media and whatnot. Mm. I also think our um, our attention span is changing quite yeah. a bit, and yeah. we want new, you know, we want to sing the new songs, and our musicians that are Our worship pastors want to explore the new songs. So I think that's part of it, too. The weird part is I hate. No, that was too strong. That was strong. I don't like new songs. Really? No. Why? Especially as I'm now in my mid 40s. I it's fun. We have it's always a good conversation. This is never at all with any tension. But our worship guy at our church, uh, my other pastor, uh, Scott, we will we've got some differing um, thoughts. Okay. Okay. never bad. They're more just kind of like, what's your preference? Yeah, I was I'm always like, hey, man, can you throw me a hymn, please? Just every once in a while I need a hymn. And whereas he is much more what's new, what's like. Yeah. And it makes for interesting. I don't know. I feel like I. also, I like songs that conjure up something, a memory mm. that I can anchor back to an mm. earlier stage of life. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. don't like all the new stuff, especially the new stuff. I'm like, what? I don't know this. I actually like both. I like the new stuff. I like learning new worship songs because, as you know, on Sirius Radio, I tend to listen to top four, 40s on. It's not called 40s on four, 40s Junction. And so I'm I'm stuck in a time warp a little bit. So I like learning new worship songs, but I definitely like the old hymns. And then there are some gospel songs like Kevin and I went to a church service on Good Friday and they sang a gospel song that I haven't heard in probably 20 years. And mm. I was like, this song still stands. And that yeah. was really good. So I, I like a I like a blend. So is there a um, a danger in this new trend that we burn through songs quickly? What might that danger be? A or should danger? I just give you my idea? I, tell me your idea, because I don't think there is a danger. You don't think there's a downside no, I mean, to this? You know, Scripture talks about singing a new song unto the Lord. So I don't know. I, I uh, Talk to me. Tell me. Teach me, oh, wise one. Why is there a danger? I think there's a reason that hymns have lasted a long time. There's a bunch of reasons. One okay. of them is um, they've proven the test of time. I often find that with the songs that I theologically struggle with the most mm-hmm. are newer. Gotcha. Okay. Because people pick up the new song because they like it or okay. the, how it sounds. Yeah. Or the, 
it, it takes a little bit to go, oh, like, let's think about this. Yeah. Or, and also, I do think there's a problem in our congregations when the people are constantly not knowing what they're singing. Now, that I agree with, because I think there is something really powerful about knowing the song. And so you can sing it like um, rotely, which mm-hmm. sounds I know to some people. No, like, I agree. That's not good. But there is something about that. So you can actually enter into worship a little bit more because you're not worried about like what are the song lyrics. Yeah. So there's something about that. Those known songs are really helpful, I think, for people to engage in worship. I think so, too. So I don't think any of this is groundbreaking. Like, I don't think this is like the, the sky is falling on the church. I just I think you're right. I think it has something to do with attention span, too. Mm. Like, we're going, okay, I'm done with that yeah. song. And I, I, all right, I'll give you one more thing here. I think this is also a little bit of the danger that we're pulling. A lot of churches are pulling their worship songs from the radio. Yeah, that's true. Because how long do things last on the radio? Yeah, well, this show is going to last <laughs> for a really long time. But besides that, you're right. When there, it comes to I music. I guess if you're thinking, too, about the value of, like, multi-generational mm-hmm. worship, then it does seem important that you are singing the songs that have, you know, past that test of time so that all generations, all ages are involved in the worship service. That matters too. That's important too. So go check that out over at Church Leaders. Like that new worship song? Chances are it will be gone soon. Our friend Bob Smetana. It's been a beautiful week, but Aubrey, with the beautiful weather, because we can't have nice things here in the Chicagoland, comes (laughs) allergy season. I mean, it is so (laughs) insane. My allergies have been going crazy for like a week now. That is for sure. But anyway, it's good to finally get some nice weather. We hope you've got a great weekend planned. I should tell you, Sunday, my wife's birthday. How exciting. What are you going to do? Man, you had Mother's Day and now the birthday back to back. Oh, we talked about this because you were like, do I get a gift for both? And I said, yes, wholeheartedly. What have you decided to do? So I am heading out of town for the weekend, which I think she enjoys with my son for baseball. She's like, give me space. Yeah, Yeah, I get that. But yeah, no, we will celebrate. We will celebrate well. No, this is the time. I've told you this before. This is the time in the family life here where we have my birthday, uh, my youngest daughter's birthday, Mother's Day, and my wife's birthday within an 11-day span. Crazy. And by the end, you're like, can we just be done? Yeah, I'm not. I'm birthday out right now. I don't want to spend any more money. But if it were you, you'd be like, well, we just have to keep doing my own birthday. I would. And then here we go. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes, happy birthday to my lovely wife. And uh, I will not say how old she is, except for the fact that she's 11 days younger than me. So That that tells people something if they've ever listened to this show. I'll put it this way. She's a little bit older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Just a teeny tiny bit older than me. Uh, Happy birthday, Carrie From. Thank you. Uh, Trevin Wax over the Gospel Coalition. You took a class from Trevin, didn't you not? I did take a class from Trevin. He is a wonderful, brilliant mind, really, really kind professor. Very, very enjoyable to learn from. And this is maybe, I don't know if this is okay to say, there have been people in my life that I have, because of their youth, when I find out how young they are, I've called them like little baby something. (laughs) Trevin Wax is actually one of those people. When I found out how young he was, I think he's in his 30s. He might, when he was teaching us, he was in his 30s. I was like, oh, little baby Trevin, little baby Trevin. (laughs) But he's a like PhD genius. So probably shouldn't call him that. Speaks to how old you are now that late 30s, early 40s is (laughs) little little baby, baby, whatever. The youth youth of America. (laughs) Speaking of the youth of America, Trevin wrote over the Gospel Coalition, and I found this to be pretty fascinating. He said there's the danger. This is actually from. Uh, two or three years ago, he says the danger of an unscraped knee. And it got me thinking about 
just the culture we're raising our children in and the way we parent. He says this, kids don't play outside as much anymore. You don't have to look up statistics to prove this. You can just look at your own neighborhood. Houses full of kids, streets Mm. empty of play. And before he's going to now try to unpack what this says about us as a culture, but do you think he's right? Yeah. Do you think this is overstated or do you think he's right? No, we, our kids I, have just changed. I think he's I think he's 100 percent right. And part of it, I feel like at least when your wife and I were having babies, not together, but, you know, raising our children. Thank that, you for the clarification. The, <laughs> I remember that became an age when, like, everyone was so terrified to kind of let their kids out mm-hmm. of their sight. When I grew up, I don't know where my parents were. We were, like, running around the neighborhood, all the neighborhood kids playing big games together and... Like, you know, we went in when it was sort of like, oh, it's getting dark. We should probably go in now. And that's the wonder years. Yeah. (laughs) And so to think like even my own kids, I was I felt very nervous because of all of the dangers and fear mongering of like letting them go out into the world by themselves. And then, of course, you add on to that. I think Trevin's going to get into this video games and other things like that. But it definitely our kids are not. So where does that come from? Because you have you just spoke uh, Mm -hmm. like looking back going longingly about your childhood yeah. there. Going, we would just go out and yeah. do this. We did the same thing. I didn't necessarily live in a neighborhood mm-hmm. where we were like in the cul-de-sac, yeah. you know, but there was a big park right next to us and we'd be gone for a while mm-hmm. and come back. And uh, and so I think a lot of us of our age go, oh, back in the day, yeah. we used to do this, but our kids don't do this. Yeah, There's nothing stopping us as parents to just be like, hey, kids, go, go. Yeah. Or you and I did not do that when when our kids were little. Right. Um, why and why don't we? Why have we as parents? This is really about parental change. Why have mm-hmm. we as parents changed? Do you think? So I I can just speak for me. I know you know raising my babies when I was a stay at home mom, they there was so much fear about like predators in the neighborhood, about kidnappings in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There were you heard more and more stories. And so it just seemed like unfathomable and like bad parenting to let your kid go roam the neighborhood. It's funny now, like I have a high schooler and my son will be, my husband will be like, the kid can ride his bike to the dollar store. It's down the street. And he has to like help me like, okay, let him go do this This is good for him. So it is strange how much, I don't know if it was just like more information because of social media or too much fear mongering around, but for some reason, and that was true of Like, I wasn't a paranoid mom. That was me and my friends and their kids kind of parented in that same way. And I wouldn't even consider myself a helicopter parent. But that sort of, like, free range letting them run around on their own was not something that ever I ever felt safe doing. Now, granted, we would have playdates and things like that. But But even the fact that we call them playdates. Yeah, like yeah. When, when you were a kid, were you ever like, Mom, could you set up a play date? Never, with- never, never. I, we would, I mean, again, I did live in a cul-de-sac, so I had that cul-de-sac culture, but we would just all, it was like, I don't even remember making plans. We mm-hmm. just all were out together all just the time. Up. Yeah. Trevin goes on to say, our thumbs aren't green anymore. They're numb from swiping and scrolling. Mm. We prefer the comfort of the artificially engineered temperature of our home. We yeah. take pride in the persona we create online. We enjoy our freedom from the restraints of physicality and prefer a digital disembodiment so he's going to 
the video games, the yeah, social media, all this stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. He says, the further we get from actual contact with thorns and thistles, isn't it more likely we will fall for the idea that we are in control and we are godlike in our powers or that we can conform nature to our own wills? Isn't it more likely that we will see nature as something endlessly bendable? Is there danger in the unscraped knee? So he's wanting to dive, Aubrey, really kind of deeply into this Mm -hmm. not just oh it's bad for our kids that we kind of have to protect them and i'm with you like maybe we all watch too many movies growing up or we watch too many um you know unsolved mysteries but i'm like i'm not letting my kid get kidnapped by the that was never the thought before right but he wants to dive deeper and say the unscraped knee this and that like we are we are projecting this control that we don't really have. Interesting. Like this is always like, this is a way of controlling mm-hmm. and a way of, of to avoid suffering in a sense too. And in a way to like keep our children in little bubbles mm-hmm. and ultimately is that good for them? I mean, it is kind of wild to think about, like, especially in COVID, you know, these were great things, but like you can have your groceries delivered. You can do school online. You can mm-hmm. meet with family online. You can play video games online. You can meet your friends online. My, you know, my kids will come home after school and they're like, oh, I, I'm going to meet so-and-so on Roblox to play. And it's like the new version of the playground, right? They go online. So fascinating. To, and so I hadn't really, I mean, I've always thought this can't be good for them, for their development. And so you put limits around that stuff. But I haven't thought about it being a way to control things and then that they're learning mm. this sort of false sense of control because of it. That's a very interesting uh, perspective that he's bringing. Yeah, up. Trevin said, "There's a world outside. We don't all need to be outdoor enthusiasts, hunters, hikers, or gardeners. But we should at least ask ourselves the question of how our current practices are shaping our society. What is the future for a culture that has forgotten its limitations or ignored the importance of acknowledging and conforming to creation?" As it has been given to us, he goes on later to say, still, we can't prevent the rain from falling. Bad weather will always confound the control freak. (laughs) The upside is that nature's resistance to bend to our will reminds us of our frailty and points to the sovereignty of the one who scattered the stars. Mm. And we need this reminder more and more for danger lurks in the never scraped knee. And I think this is good for us as individuals to go, am I still living a life where I can scrape my knee, right? To use his imagery. But then as parents of going, do I let my kids scrape their knee? Uh, Aubrey, we try to tackle hard things on the show, but every now and then I try to, we try to bring out people like, this is somebody you should be reading. Mm, yeah. This person's got things to say. And um, one of those is one of the earliest Christian bloggers that I knew about. His name is Tim Challies, C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S, out of Canada. Uh, he's had a blog that I, when I read it, I'm always encouraged. Hmm. And I'm always, it's never like hot takes. And yeah. it's never this. It's always it's just trying to, it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And as I we've shared on this show before we've read his stuff, Tim Challies uh, lost a son tragically within the last year or two, a 21, 22-year-old son who just literally just dropped dead. Awful. And so he's dealing a lot with that yeah. mourning and that yeah. grief through his writing. And he put out this. Uh, last week, it says the parable of the acorn. Uh, how do you say that? A-C-O-R-N. Acorn? Yeah, acorn. Okay. How would you say it? You just acorn. said acorn. Yeah, I think I'm right. Does someone say it a different way? No, it just feels weird when you say acorn. 
A corn. I mean, it's not a corn. (laughs) (laughs) That's corn. But I would like to read this parable that he wrote. And I just think there is so much wisdom here for us that gets at some of the struggles that a lot of us have. Hmm. So if you would allow for me, let me just uh, read for you his parable that he wrote. It says this. An An elderly man was once out for an evening stroll when his feet inadvertently sent a little acorn skittering across the forest floor. He came to the place where it had stopped rolling and, stooping slowly, picked it up. And then, strangely, he held that acorn to his ear. He held the acorn to his ear and, listening attentively, heard it speak. Mm. In time, the birds will come and make their nests in my branches, it said. In time, I will cast deep shade so that cattle can come and find respite from the midday sun. In time, I will provide warmth for a home. In time, I will be a shelter from the storm. For those who gather beneath my timbers in time, I will form the ribs of a great ship and the storms will beat against me in vain as I carry passengers safely across the storm swept seas. You foolish little acorn, the old man said, will you be all of this? Can you be all this? Yes, replied the acorn. Yes, God and I. Mm. Tell me why you thought you said when I had you read this earlier, and then I'm going to get into what yeah. he, he unpacks it. But why yeah. did you just think this was beautiful? You said, oh, that's beautiful. Why? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like it's so relatable, meaning so many of us just feel like we're this little, small, insignificant mm-hmm, thing. And mm-hmm. in one sense, we actually are, you know, um, and yet thinking about what God can do in a life so that we become more than just this little seed, but we become a person who has deep purpose Mm -hmm. and can uh, develop resilience, can care for other people, can be a form of rest for someone. I mean, and of course the tree metaphor is so perfect, Mm -hmm. but there is, you know, I think it can be so easy to be discouraged by all of the things we feel like we're not doing Mm -hmm. or not accomplishing or dreams that have been deferred and just to think like, well, perhaps God is turning us from little acorns into these trees and what might he do through us as trees is it. I, th- th- yeah. I just thought it was beautiful for that reason. Yeah. He goes on to say, as Christians, we are often discouraged by our scant accomplishes accomplishments and slow progress. We find ourselves attuned more to our spiritual defeats than spiritual victories, more to the sin that remains than the holiness won. Though we may not be who and what we once were, we're still not merely who and what we long to be. We've got to pause there again. That is so true. Yes, read it one said, more time. Read it one more time. Though he, we may, The last part, he says, yeah. though we may not be who and what we once were, we are still not nearly who and what we long to be. Mm. So there's this, it's this idea of growth. Yes. This idea of the long obedience of the same That's direction. That's it. I, I, I almost said I know a lot of people like this. I, this is we're this all is like all this. Of us. We're all yeah, like this. Yeah. That we go, oh, why so slow? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that we take a negative view of ourselves. He says we're more yeah. attuned to our spiritual defeats than our spiritual victories, more to the sin that remains and the holiness at once. Mm. Aubrey, if this is a progress thing, if this is the long obedience, if this is sanctification, if he's right, why is that? Why do we take a negative view on ourselves? I'm not yet who I'm. How many times in your church have you heard people say, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not, I'm not who I want to be. Why do we take that kind of more of a negative view? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing it's the enemy that's like blinding us from the fact that the Lord is making Christ likeness in us 
And so we don't even see what what God is doing in our lives. And we so focus on like all the negative things. And then I think there in all of us, there's sort of that like dangling, dangling carrot or, mm-hmm. or movable target. And it's that like target of of enoughness. And we sort of think like, oh, if I can hit the target, like then I'll be okay. But the problem is that target is an ever moving target. It's a constantly blurry target. And I guess part of that is the invitation to walk in Jesus, because it actually means like there's no target. Like we just get to rest and surrender in Christ and give up that sort of like strive and hustle type of mentality instead rest in his accomplishments. Mm. So in one sense, all of it is this really bizarre difficult but beautiful invitation to the gospel where we rest in his enoughness, not our own. Yeah, he says the the acorn in this parable models the kind of faith each of us can have, the kind of confidence we ought to have, for it reminds us that God has made many promises. God has said that since he is the one who began a good work in us, he is the one who will bring it to completion. Mm. God has said that he will sanctify us completely so that our whole spirit and soul and body will be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has said that he will fulfill his every purpose. And he goes on to say later, thus, even the most recent convert and even the youngest Christian can say, in time, I will abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. In time, I will put to death all that is earthly in me and come alive to all that is heavenly. In time, I will love my enemies and pray fervently for those who persecute me. In time, I will be marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. In time, I will come to be so much holier than I ever believed possible in Time. Why is the long view so important? Why do you think the yeah. long view, we've got to get this? Yeah, I, this is, I mean, something you and I have talked about quite a bit on the show, and you've already said it, but that whole, like, Eugene Peterson thought of long obedience in the same direction. The work of the Holy Spirit is a slow work. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's actually probably not when you think about, like, timelessness and God's perspective, but from our a liminal, limited perspective, it does feel like a slow work of the Holy Spirit. And the the journey of becoming more and more like Jesus is a lifetime journey mm-hmm. and it's a it's one that goes deeper it's not shallow it's one that goes through seasons like um uh process not in poof as our friend mm-hmm. Davy Blackburn likes to say and it is like faithfulness over the long haul that shapes you into Christ likeness and i think some of us are so convinced that like Boom, we came to Christ. That's it. Well, no, the Christian life is a journey. It's not a moment, mm. right? And so we have to um, continue in God's kindness again and again and again over the years of our lives. And that's what changes. So all that to say, you have to have that long view yeah. in perspective or else you'll give up when life hits hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chalice ends this way. And in that moment of confident proclamation, he ought to expect that the temper, the discourager will whisper, you foolish young Christian, will you be all of this? Can you be all this? And it then falls to him to answer back, yes, God and I. For though it is he who demands, it is he who provides, it is he who works within both to will and to work. Ah, it's a powerful, just a well-written parable mm-hmm. that, yeah. that helps us understand the faith journey. We call it a journey for a As reason. Brian and I have said many times on the show, we are both pastors. We're both pretty uh, 
enmeshed in mm-hmm. like the evangelical world. I my our church plant is a non-denominational evangelical church plant. Brian's church mm-hmm. plant is a non-denominational evangelical church plant. Within evangelicalism, there are all these quote unquote movements. I mean, there are denominations, mm-hmm. but then there are also movements that aren't necessarily denominational, but can almost begin to feel like that. One of those is a um, a movement called Young Restless Reformed. And this, I want to wrap this up really succinctly and well, but when I think of Young Restless Reformed, I think of the Gospel Coalition, I I think of Acts 29. I think of John Piper. You think of John Piper. I think John Piper, and to a lesser degree, Tim Keller and some others, but I do think in many ways, Piper's... Uh, you know, Christian hedonism, mm-hmm. his his love of Jonathan Edwards, mm-hmm. this kind of new Calvinism, yeah. this kind of stuff, I think is the the roots of this quote unquote movement that I think a lot of us I planted my church not like, oh, this is me, yeah. but this is the people that were informing me. Yes. Uh, also, I don't know if you know this, Colin Hansen, who's been on the show before, yeah. he wrote the article Young Restless Reformed back Where in the that day. that title came from. And a book came out of it and yeah. all of this stuff. So that this came from somewhere. But a lot of the people you hear me quote, whether it's, you know, Piper, but mm-hmm. then also you start talking about the Chandlers, yeah. the Driscolls back in the day, yeah. the David Platts and yeah. these, they kind of fall underneath this and it is it has been in the early to you know kind of 2000s into 2010s a really strong movement in evangelicalism yeah really strong really influential movement and i would say particularly in the church planting world that's been true that they've been deeply influential okay and i would also say particularly with men particularly with men and that's part of what they um preached as part of the movement was just like that the power of biblical manhood or whatever so okay i thought this was really interesting brian especially because i know you've been influenced by this movement my husband has been influenced by this movement i've been influenced by this movement this was an interesting take and i just wanted to hear your thoughts okay uh, this is a guy named mike leak he's a pastor Mm -hmm. of a calvary church and he said this I think YRR, Young Restless Reformed Movement, was basically a prosperity gospel. Believe right stuff, gospel the gospel in a gospel way, (laughs) be a biblical man slash biblical woman, preach expository sermons, and if you RRR, sorry, YRR faithfully, then your church will grow or be faithful and healthy, and you will not have as many problems as those other churches have, and you'll be rewarded with great marriages, healthy sex, financial peace, etc. Then he says, but it wasn't true. And I think much of the deconstruction we're seeing is the ramifications of a prosperity gospel being exposed as empty. The gospel is true, but prosperity gospel always falls. Gospels always fall. Now, later he went back and he said some from the uh, Young Restless mm-hmm, Reform mm-hmm. movement. So he he, um, he lightened the heavy handedness just a little bit. What do you think about this? Um, I don't know that I go so far as prosperity gospel, but here's what I would say. I would say he's right in a sense, but I think every movement mm. promises these things. Mm. And I think that's the struggle, right? Yeah. Like, would we say that a quote unquote movement like this that's trying to anchor in the gospel and, you know, Piper's trying to talk about your joy coming from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Christian hedonism and all of that. Yeah. You're trying to talk about what? Uh, no, I, I, I want to say, well, that's a good thing. But 
is he wrong that we planted churches and did things that said, if you do this and this and this and this, it's no, I think we do that with everything, though. So yeah. if you want to label that prosperity, I don't think it's so blatant that you're yeah. like, that the preaching was, if you do this, then this happens. But why do we join, quote unquote, movements in the first place? Because we believe this that this group of people, this tribe is at least trying to get it right and is down the right path. And so I think we end up going progressive churches do this. Yep. Um, yep. You know, young, restless, reformed, yeah. uh, whatever else it might be, this is one of the dangers in thinking we've cornered the market. My mm-hmm. tribe has cornered the mm-hmm. market on the gospel, yes, and on who Jesus is yes. and what the church is going to look like because it's still fallen people who get things wrong and mm-hmm. do things. So, yeah, I, do we want to say? Obviously, we have different. Uh, you know, you may have different opinions from some of these people, specifically over gender roles or, yeah. or whatever, but. Yeah. But do you want to, like, can you sign on to believe the right stuff, gospel, the gospel, preach, exposit? Like, none of those are bad. Right. But if we make idols of them, if we make yeah. idols of the leaders of these things yeah. or the leaders of this movement yeah. or the the author of this book, yeah. you're going to end up in a yeah. bad spot. So I don't think he's, I think he overstates here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's just these people. I think yeah. this is, this is what we do. Yeah. This is, yeah, that's interesting, Brian. I, I remember a, a, uh, Christian doctrine class that I took in grad school at Wheaton, there there was a gal in my class who it goes to a young, restless, reformed church. I'll, I'll put it like that. Uh, her pastor is deeply influenced by some of these guys. And so she she has come, you know, she's deeply involved in this movement as well. And she was talking to our professor about, well, if if you believe the right things, mm-hmm. then like, won't you grow in Christ or then won't you, I, I remember just a conversation like this and I'll never forget my, my professor, doctor of, um, doctor of Christian doctrine or theology mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. like that said, you are not saved by believing the right things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You are saved because of Jesus's Christ's work on the cross. And that, that was like eye opening to, I think all of us in the class, because whether or not we wanted to admit it, I think there was this idea that like, because you do want to believe rightly and you do want to handle God's word with integrity and you do want to like you do want to have a quote unquote right theology that's orthodox and historical mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. faithful like those things really do matter but at the end of the day the that isn't what saves you and um like you were just saying if we make an idol of the leaders of these certain movements or we make even an the movement itself an mm-hmm. idol then we're not any better than, you know, somebody else preaching a false gospel. Like at the end of the day, it's Jesus. And so I don't know that I agree with everything this guy tweeted, but uh, especially comparing it to the prosperity gospel, I don't think he's actually quite on point there. That said, it is worth wrestling with. Like, where have we made a movement, a tribe, a group? the thing we're after and not Jesus? And I think that's really the crucial question. And where have we made... Um, Christianity formulaic. Mm. If I believe this, if I do this, anytime it's I do this, that's a problem. Then this happens. If we get this, then equals, um, I've got Christianity, they would never say this, right? But Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. uh, I've got it figured out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And because then it causes you to go, well, the other people have the equation wrong. Yeah. And that becomes a dangerous spot that I got the equation right. Mm -hmm. You got the equation right. Anytime it's do... 
And like you said, belief is so important, but it's not just about right orthodox. Yeah. It's it's about other things as well. And yeah. so I think this is better for me to be not this to me is not a critique about this particular movement mm-hmm. or a particular movement. It's do have I made my faith formulaic? That's if good. I read my, read my Bible That's this good. many times in the week, if I do this, and then God's going to be happy with mm-hmm. me. I'm going to be the. Those things are good. Yeah. But that's the, like you're missing the point. And yeah. So that's where I would that's where I think he's on to something. I don't know that it was necessary to go. It's this particular right, movement. Right. I don't know that that was necessary. Yeah, I think at some point we need to have another conversation about what it looks like to critique people within the church and not tear them down. I feel like I'm seeing more and more of that, too, mm-hmm. which is like there's some valid criticism here. Is it necessary to take a group down? But that's for another time. Anyway, very interesting. Let's not let's not make the gospel formulaic mm-hmm. um, and assume if we do. God is not a genie. God is not an ATM machine. Let's allow there to be mystery, even as we pursue after the things that we believe are right. But it's Friday. Friday. You know what that means? It is time for a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right. We, it's been a while since we've talked about how much we love that little jingle. That's we right. love our theme song for the top five list. Brian, you want to tell the people what our top five list is this week? So sometimes we, they tie into life stuff. Sometimes we come up with really random ones. Yes. And can I be honest with you? My The random ones tend to be my favorites. They're pretty entertaining. And so you suggested today... Top five Harrison Ford movies. Top five Harrison Ford movies. It's pretty random, but it'll be fun. It's not his birthday. He didn't come out with a new movie that right. we're aware of. Right. He didn't do anything of note. Right. But we like Harrison Ford. We like, we like Harrison Ford movies. Mm-hmm. I would say that there's not a, uh, I, I, there is a huge list of movies, but I would suspect we're going to have a lot of the same. Oh. The real question becomes in what order. Okay, okay. I actually I don't wrong about think that. we're going to have the same, but we'll see. Not we'll exactly see. the same. Which one was it? I won't, we won't remember this yeah. one where we actually had the same list. Oh, yeah. That was superhero powers, superpowers, because oh that was goodness. so unique because we never have the same thing. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I'm feeling a little con- like, did I make the wrong decision on some of these? I don't know. This was tricky, And Ryan. we should say when it comes to Raiders of the Lost Ark yes. and when it comes to Star Wars, yes. We're going individual. You could in- have you could have all Star Wars yeah, movies. You could have all individual. Raiders of the Dark uh, Raiders of the Lost mm-hmm. Ark movies. You can't have or Indiana Jones movies. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, you can't have like just the all right. the Indiana Jones movies. Right. We're gonna we're gonna separate them. Right. Okay. Are you ready with your number five? Or I am. My I go number first? five okay. is um, maybe one that a lot of people haven't seen. I remember it's one of those movies. Do you remember in the Late 90s, uh, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s, all these movies came out that were just supposed to blow your mind yeah. with like a twist. Yeah. Uh, there was one. I'll warn people there are parts of this movie that uh, our audience would probably deem a little bit inappropriate, okay. but the story, like the, the twist at the end is crazy. It's called Presumed Innocent. Oh, I don't think I ever saw that one. It's, uh, I will just tell you. Uh, it's in the in the vein of the usual suspects and others. Ooh. You go, whoa! What just happened? Okay, presumed innocent. Okay, that's good. Mine is one that is maybe more like a cult classic. So I don't know if a lot of people are going to like this either. But I just think it's like a cool movie, and I tend to like this genre of movie. That is Blade Runner. Mm, never seen five. it. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, number four. There's some expected ones on this list. Yeah. I think people would expect. 
that were each going to have a Star Wars movie, probably somewhere in here, maybe multiple ones. And yeah. I, this is mine. I'm going with Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Great, great film. Yes. Great yes. film. Return of the Jedi. Yep. Okay. Um, I am going number four with, I actually don't typically like scary movies, but I saw this when it first came out and I thought it was so good that I've watched it multiple times since then. And this is one of Harrison Ford's only really scary movies. It's a movie called What Lies Beneath. Have you seen that? So I saw that on the list, and I think I have, but I couldn't remember. Ooh, is it a good. scary movie? It's scary, but like mysterious scary, like okay. psychological thriller. It's a good one. I, I'm a fan. All right. My number three uh, favorite Harrison Ford movies. I'm going to his Indiana Jones movies. Nice. And my favorite of the Indiana Jones movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Brian, that is my number three. There we go. Indiana Jones, Last Crusade. Is now, that your favorite of the Indiana Jones so movies? It actually is. And I know it's not a lot of people's because they, you know, it's not original. But I like the generational stuff. I think it the got Sean Connery fun. portion. Yeah, I like yes. Sean Connery. Like I think it, like it got funny and interesting and entertaining. But also the part where you know they're getting like, what, what do we decide it is like? Uh, the chalice, right? Uh-huh. And there's like that part where it's uh, which to it was like wh- which one would Jesus have had? Yes, and it turns out to be like the, well, he's a carpenter. Women, right? Fun. They all the, oh, ah, anyway. it's a Christian movie. In the if edge. you have, yeah. yeah, sure. If you've not seen, if you haven't seen any of the Indiana Jones ones, start at the beginning. But I would uh, make sure you get to the last. Yeah, crusade. it's a good one. It's a good one. And what did you find, Junior? Junior, Dad. Please, what does it always mean? Is this Junior? That's his name. Henry Jones Jr. Like Indiana. We named the dog Indiana. Maybe go home now, please. The dog? <laughs> you are named after the dog? <laughs> you got a lot of fond memories of that dog. All right, Brian. Uh, wow, we're, we're Oh, so I quickly. have to go number two now number because two. you said... Uh, you went Last Crusade yes, with number three. Last Crusade was also my number three. We tied there. All right. My number two is a movie that I watched with one of my kids the other day. We've gotten into some movies from, again, mid, late 90s okay. that are like just uh, action packed, mm. but don't really hold up in the sense of. Oh. Should have probably died fifty times there, but you know they're not going to kill off Harrison Ford. Right. Uh, famously, the line from this one: "Get off my plane, Air Force One." Air Force One. Get off my plane. I kind of forgot that Air Force One existed. Stop. I'm not going to lie. Go back and watch Air Force One yeah. with one or all of your sons, and you will not. Okay. You will not um, regret that okay. move. Harrison okay. Ford. Get off my plane. Like it holds up still. You're still like, that's a good movie. It holds up in a sense of like. It's from the 90s. None of this would happen. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the bad guy misses him with the shot when he's got. But you know that. You don't watch Air Force One going, I really really think they might kill off Harrison Ford here. No, you know know it's not happening. But it's all adrenaline. It's all fun. Get off my plane is a great iconic line. It holds up. I once heard a pastor. And the Russians are the bad guys. I, oh, of course they are. I once heard a um, once heard a pastor preach a sermon about Air Force One that it's not Air Force One until the president is on it. It's true. That's when it gets his name. And he made that very spiritual somehow. It's because we do bad Jesus, things as pastors. Whatever. But uh, yes. <laughs> it is it is a true statement. Air Force and, One yeah, be- has that. a different name when the when, when the, the president is not, not on, on it. it. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, interesting little factor for you. All I right. would like to name my car. 
that my family knows that our car has a name, but only when dad is in it. I love that idea. I love that idea. Although Let's work on my, that. One of my pet peeves grinds my gears is people who name their cars. Oh, we'll add that to the list. We'll yes. talk about that later. All right, okay. you're number two. My number two, I, this is going to be this is gonna be a controversial take. Not everyone is going to agree with me on this. I'm going with the Star Wars movie also, but I'm going with The Force Awakens. Because I loved, I, it was so nostalgic, and I loved being reintroduced to Han Solo, and I loved when they found the Millennium Falcon, and I loved, uh, you know, finding out that he and Leia had had a child together, even though he ended up being, spoiler alert, very evil. But I, I, I was a fan. I was a fan, for sure. You tell him that Han Solo just stole back the Millennium Falcon for good. This is a Millennium Falcon. You're Han Solo. <laughs> I used to be Han Solo, the rebellion general? No, the smuggler. Wasn't he a war hero? This is a ship that made the castle run in 14 parsecs. 12. So I'm okay with that. It's a great movie. It is good. But again, a spoiler alert. Did you just pick a movie where they killed off Harrison Ford? Shh, I wasn't going to tell the people that, Brian. It's been out long enough. I do. I did. I did. And even that, I was like, <gasps> what? So even that was a good, like a good cinematic moment because it was so unexpected. But the hero of our list died. Yeah, well, you know, life happens. It's hard for a lot of people, <laughs> life Brian. happens. He's not Jesus. All right. Honorable my, mentions. My two honorable mentions are very tied closely to each other. Okay. They're from the Tom Clancy Novels, uh, uh, that being Patriot Games and Clear and Present okay. Danger. Do you know I've never seen any of those. Well, those are again, ones. they're good movies. They're okay. they're just action packed. They're right. just. Right. It's like watching Speed. You know, you're like I have to suspend like my mindset. <laughs> yes, but I'm going to enjoy the next hour and forty minutes of my life. Yeah. Okay. All right. I uh, will have to catch. That. I never ordered no. any. Don't even think about playing that game with me. I will not let you dishonor their memories by pretending you had nothing to do with it. How dare you come in here and lecture me? How dare you, sir? Honorable mentions. Okay, honorable mentions. I've got uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Great okay. film. And then I I have a suspicion I might be stomping on your number one well, here don't with give my honorable mentions. I think okay, you know wait. my number okay, one. Okay, I'm going to wait then. Okay. And that makes you a terrible person for making this only honorable mention. I know, you're going to laugh at what my number one is. There but... is only one answer. <laughs> Only one answer to the number one Harrison Ford movie. This is like Secretariat at the Kentucky at the uh, Belmont Stakes. He's out by like thirty paces here. (laughs) There is only one answer to this top five list. All the other ones are wrong. The number one Harrison Ford movie is The Fugitive. I knew. Yeah, that's my honorable mention. The Fugitive. Yes. We're going to search every doghouse, farmhouse, outhouse. <laughs> what I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, doghouse in that area. And for those of us who live in Chicago, which if you're listening to this on the radio, that is you. The yep. added benefit is it's shot all over Chicago. You're like the the river is green and lower yeah. whacker and all this. Does Fugitive hold up? Like if I ever watched that tonight when I went home. Completely. Okay. Completely. I watched it with my kids in the, within the last couple months. Okay. Totally holds up. If you were going home for a man, Friday night movie night, do you choose the first one? Do I choose Air Force One or do I choose The Fugitive? That is. 10 out of 10 times the future. Okay, all right. Yes. Maybe that's our Friday night movie night. Okay. okay. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Okay, well, you're going to laugh at me at my number one, but my number one, the secretariat, the unstoppable take my fan joke. favorite is Sabrina. 
I love it. I love we that movie. We can no longer be friends. So much. It's we are now just workmates. We are not comedy. friends anymore. It's so cute. Everyone loves Sabrina, and it's a remake of an Audrey Hepburn movie, and so it's even more lovable. Sabrina is my number one. All right. You probably have different Harrison Ford movies than we would have on our list. You probably don't have Sabrina, but we want to hear from you. Tell us on social media at Common Good Talk what we missed and what you love. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. <clears throat> Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. It is Friday. Friday. It's the end of the week. It's the end of the show. And at the end of the week, at the end of the show, we love to do something a little bit crazy. And that is find like the wildest, wackiest stories from the World Wide Web and share them with you. Our executive producer, Keith Conrad, searches the internet, finds these insane stories for us, and he brings them into the studio moments before we're sharing mm-hmm. them with you. So the first time we actually read them is the first time we're actually laying eyes on them. And so our reactions are real-time reactions. Brian. Yes, I'm ready. Are you ready? I am. The first okay. one is out of Hungary. Oh. I'm hungry. I'm Hi, hungry. I'm Aubrey. Hungarian <laughs> couples race in wife-carrying obstacle Stop. course. Stop it. Around 30 Hungarian couples with husbands carrying their wives on their backs uh, raced over rough terrain on Saturday in the nation's third wife-carrying contest. Stop. Among the obstacles the couples encountered on the 260-meter-long track were a deep water-filled ditch at the beginning and end with bales of hay and car tires along the route. Uh, race organizer Gergo Gerali said couples were interested in competing as it allowed them to leave their comfort zone and achieve a win as a unit. Hmm. It goes on to tell us that this sport has been going on for a while. Most couples choose the piggyback technique. Okay. The winning couple said they perfected their technique for the second round, earning them first place overall. Dang. A Hungarian wife carrying. That's not bad. Uh, I wish you could see the picture of this guy, this winner carrying his wife. Because it's, nice it's wild. It's an interesting move. You'll have to look that one up online. All right, this one's out of Florida. Florida. We know the best the best stories come from Florida. They do. Okay, oh, this is amazing. I'm already obsessed with this. WW2, World War II nurse from Florida, celebrates her 100th birthday by skydiving. No. A firmer, former World War II nurse realized a lifetime dream on Monday, skydiving from a plane over Florida's east coast near her hometown. Raymond Sullivan of Sebastian has had quite a life. She recently celebrated her 100th birthday. I've never done it, and I've done a lot of things in 100 years. This is a quote from her. So I thought I must do it while I can, Sullivan told the local television station. It's scary. I would say it is. Sullivan's milestone jump was filmed by Skydive Sebastian, and she jumped out of a plane in a tandem dive. So she was with a diver. That that makes me feel a little bit better. Right over Port St. Lucie. When asked if she was if she would jump again, Sullivan demurred. I think that means she will not jump again. Instead, she went to celebrate at the castle, a party venue in Fort Pierce with friends and family. Here's interesting. Uh, her jump is noteworthy, but it is not a world record. According to Guinness World Records, the oldest woman to perform a tandem jump 
was Catherine Kitty Hodges, who was 103 years and 129 days old when she jumped from a plane in Washington. I wouldn't want to skydive now. I agree with that, Brian. So, 100 years old. More power to you. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. From Canada, two bear cubs rescued from electrical pole in Ontario. Two orphaned. Oh, they're orphaned. Bear cubs were rescued from electrical pole. Retired concert converse. It says conversation officer, but I feel like that's a conservation officer. I think that's a type. Or unless, right. unless in Canada they call them conversation officers. They just chat for a living, like we do. They're basically radio show hosts. Pete Gilbo and Ontario provincial police officers uh, took part in the rescue when the cubs were spotted high up on a power pole. The bear with U.S. Sanctuary and Rehabilitation Center took in the cubs, who are three to four months old. Uh, the Bear With Us Sanctuary, what a great name, posted Aww. photos from the rescue on Facebook, which included looks at the parcher placing the cubs in the back of his police cruiser. Gilbo had taken the cubs home to care for them while waiting to see if their mother would show up the searching area. The mother's cub never came, leading the cubs being delivered to Bear With Us. Recently, a California homeowner was shocked to discover that five bears were living under... Come on. We're living underneath her home after she heard rum. That's a weird thing to just that throw in there, but a little crazy. Okay, you're just—I'm the sports person. Just be glad I didn't make a Cubs and a Bears joke. Oh there. yeah, you could have done that. <laughs> I don't want bears living under my home. Hey, boo boo! Let's see what we got in this picnic basket. All right, here's a story out of Michigan. Maybe Walter Payton. Man, man, these lottery ticket uh, people. This woman wins two million dollars. On Michigan lottery scratch-off tickets she bought because of the design. This is totally how I would win the lottery. Taking a chance on a game that caught her uh, eye paid off for a Maycomb County woman who won $2 million playing the Michigan lottery's uh, $2 million multiplayer spectacular instant game. The lucky 44-year-old player who chose to remain anonymous bought her winning ticket at Kelsey's Market. Okay. So uh, this ticket caught her eye because she liked the color and design. So she decided to give it a try. When she scratched the ticket and saw I'd won $2 million, I had to do a double take because I thought I was reading it wrong. When it finally sunk in that I would won, I was very excited. She chose to receive her prize as a one-time lump sum payment of about $1.2 million rather than 30 payments for the full amount. With her winnings... She plans to pay bills and then save the remainder. Girlfriend's going to get paid. Unbelievable. Are you that person who, um, when you're picking like the NC tournament, you just look for like your favorite uh, like uniform color? I mean. Or which mascot do I like the most? I feel like you're having like the conversation with the wrong person right now. When I'm picking for the NCAA tournament. <laughs> rewind. Re- rewind. Nope. Never. <laughs> but yeah, I would pick I would pick uh, who I thought was cutest probably. Cute players are who I'm voting for, Brian. The patience is running thin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll try harder. Last you. one is out of the state of Maine. Have you ever been to Maine? Uh, no, but my mom lived in Maine. Oh. Yes. Okay. There's a little fact for you about Maine. So I've also never been to Maine, but here is the story. Police, they a wanted man, <laughs> he hid <laughs> under a blanket to avoid arrest. Police in Maine, Maine thought they had seen it all until they found a wanted man hiding under a blanket in plain sight to avoid arrest. <laughs> Belfast police said they were recently called to the Admiral Ocean Inn 
to respond to reports of an intoxicated man causing a disturbance. The man was later identified as Philip Delude. Police said Delude was removing uh, was removed from the property and threatened with arrest if he returned. A few hours later, officers returned to the inn's parking lot and found someone in a chair hiding under a blanket. Officers said they pulled off the blanket and found Delude uh, hiding under it. Delude was later arrested for criminal trespassing and violating bail conditions. Here at Belfast Police Department, we have seen some crafty ways of hiding from the police that the department posted on Facebook. This, unfortunately, is not one of them. This picture, if you can look at it online when you're not driving... Do you know what he Search got arrested the story. for? It is so funny. No, what's it? Do you? Delude behavior. <laughs> Was that funny? No. Ryan from the wins week. Wins the week. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been lifting, listening, lifting or listening to the common good. It's Friday on AM 1160. Hope for your life. <laughs>